Thank you for connecting to this podcast from Faith Renewed Outreach Center. We hope that it's an encouragement to you today. For more information, check us out online at faithrenewed.org. Go to the book of Judges chapter 3. Judges chapter 3. And a few folks. Woo-woo. Thank you. I like that. We should get excited about God's Word. Amen? Amen. Should get excited about God's Word. This is the seventh book in the Old Testament. So uh, if, you, if you're looking, I'm un- unsure of where that's at. Judges, we finished up the book of Joshua uh, last week and uh, with Joshua's final sermon that he preached and uh, just preached straight from the book. It's what we typically do, go to God's Word together. So, but we're going to be today in a book called Judges. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read an entire story first. A lot of times um, I may just kind of tell the story as I go. We're going to break this down, but really wanted to read this story in full um, before I even pray and before I even uh, today kind of unpack all this stuff. This is a really interesting story today. So uh, we're going to pick up in verse 12, and uh, we're going to be, uh, story today is about a guy named Ehud. And so um, it reads like this. It says, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Oh, you, you, you get tired of reading that sometime. Again, they did it. They, again, here we go. Again, Israel, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon. Amalek went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. Man, here it is again. I mean, this guy's got a promised land that they're supposed to be inheriting and walking in and continuing to move into. And here they are again, in bondage again. Verse 15, but when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjaminite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was a double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended uh, him went out from, uh, from him. So he sends everybody out. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Told y'all this story was a trip. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Glory to God. (coughs) Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he is probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. 
So they awaited till they were embarrassed and still had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them. And there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sarah. And it, and it happened that when he arrived, that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim. Man, we talked about that trumpet a few weeks ago. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. Then he said to them, follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. I think we should pray after that story. I think it's very important that we pray after that story. God, thank you today, Lord, for your word. God, I give you thanks, Lord, that in every page of this book, there are things, God, that you want to speak to our heart. God, I believe there's some things and truths in this story, God, that you want us to see and reveal and grab hold of today. So, God, open our hearts and minds today, God, and we give you thanks for what you're going to do in our life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, these are the greatest stories ever told. <coughs> you're like, do What? Yeah, this is it. This is, this is it. I mean, the greatest stories ever told. We're in this series right now. Been here a while, going to be here a while, as we are journeying together through the Old Testament. And so again, we spent uh, some time in the first six chapters, our first six books, today picking up on this seventh story. And today, this story, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, as you've already heard, this story is a trip. Uh, this story is wild, man, and uh, I, I did not and originally plan on preaching this message in this series, The Greatest Stories Ever Told, but uh, I, I just, again, feel like God has shown me some things I've never heard before preached, and, and uh, I believe some things that we can grab hold of, and it's so important today, this word. So I'm thankful for what the Holy Spirit did just a few moments ago, kind of preparing the hearts and preparing our minds and spirits to receive this today, because, again, some challenging, strong things today in this, in this, in this word, but I believe some things that God would have see today. And so I'm going to do this. If you are a note taker, I'm going to give you today four things uh, today that I believe God has just kind of shown me and put in my heart uh, for us today in this, in this story. And so the very first one is this, um, and uh, we, it's just, again, how he gave it to me. I have to give it to you. I'm just a messenger. Number one is this, sin can become a cycle. Sin can become a cycle. Uh, verse 12 says, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, here it is again. We're seeing it. We saw Joshua's sermon last week, man, preaching to these guys truth. And then you just start seeing something still after this. You watch something happen now. This is a trend that kind of starts unfolding. You'll see like in like 12 different times, <clears throat> just in this book along in the book of Judges, you'll see a cycle repeated. You'll see what I believe and what I'm going to call today because it's, it's what it is. It's a sin cycle. And it's something that can happen in our life. Sin can become a cycle. Now, we're celebrating this week our freedom, our independence, that we got set free from, from the, uh, the bondage of the tyranny of the British, and we have come as Americans, and, and yes, Lord, to the holy name, we, we are, we're, we're 
free, man. Independence. That's awesome. Love it. That's what, I love it. It's just so cool, man. It's very cool. Uh, it, but, but today, you know, I'm just thankful, kind of spiritual. This is what we celebrate. Man, God has set me free, indeed free. You believe he does it? I do too. He, he, he's done it for me. He's, done it. he's probably done it for you if you've let him. And he, he does this. But you know what we see and what happens so many times? The cycle returns. Now, ah, man, I, I know some people don't, don't get just real straight up, just really call it what it is, but, but it, it, it's a cycle that happens in this, in this sin that kind of just will come back and revisit us, and it's how the enemy will work because he knows this, and I, I, we need to know it because he knows it. He knows where to attack you. Now he knows. He knows exactly where to attack you. Now listen, I'm, I'm thankful that God sets us free. I'm, I just give God praise for that. It's so incredibly awesome. I mean, we celebrate it. We see it weekly happen in our church. Man, God just set people free. I believe he's going to set some people free in this service today. Before you leave, God's going to set you free. It's going to happen if you'll let him. He does it. Man, we celebrated that 9 a.m. service, bro. I'm telling you, man, God set some people free. It was amazing. But you know what he set some people free of? Things that he has set them free of before. What? Yeah, yeah. Now, I, 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 I believe that there are some things here that we can really see that are so important. And then just first of all is just seeing that he'll revisit you where he once has success in your life. He'll revisit you where he wants to have success in your life. So this is what this means. Again, this is not giving no devil no glory, and I ain't pumping him up or whatever. He pumps his own head up way enough, man. And, and, and he's good at that. But listen, I want to just do, help you understand some things. If there has been history of things maybe in your life where there were certain bondages in certain areas, you will see the enemy visit that again. Because he may have had success there before. He'll try it again. And this is what you'll see. And I have seen it, man, over and over and over. I'm like, come on. And it's kind of like in this story. Again. Now, if, 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 if maybe addiction was your struggle, you know what's going to happen? He's going to visit you again in that addiction. It's just, you just see it. Um, and, I, I, you know, it's just, I, I tell you, when I was preparing this message, I was kind of like, man, I've never preached this story. I haven't really heard anybody talk about it. This is kind of a weird, wild story. You know, and God's like, man, just get up there and do what I said. And I'm like, okay, God, okay. You know, and, and I have someone at the end of the first service come up there and they said, how did you know? Listen, God understands and knows and he loves you. And listen, the same way the enemy knows how to attack you, God knows how to set you free. And he can do that in your life. He wants to free you. And so, I mean, if there's some type of addiction, whether it be alcohol, whether it be drugs, whether it be sexual sin, whatever it is, God is the deliverer. He is the healer of those things. He is the God that I serve, and he sets us free. It's who he is, and he'll do it again for you. He'll set you free again. But listen enemy will attack you again. 
But you don't have to fall back to that. You don't have to be in this cycle for the rest of your life. That is not what God wants for you. That is not his plan. He loves you. He got on a cross to save you and set you free from the sin cycle. We sung about it. That's the God we serve. But you must understand this. These are the children of Israel, God's chosen people. And you know what happened? Again, So he says things in Scripture. We see then this story. and We see things like in Ephesians 6 where he tells us to do this. In verse 11, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what the wiles are? The wiles of the devil are those tricky places. That's those things where he slides in. He, he tells you, beware of the schemes, the cunning devices of the devil. And this is what he'll do in your life. He'll slide right in. So as believers, as Christians, as people who get set free by God, we have to guard our heart. We have to protect it. We have to cover it in the Word. We have to do this because, again, the sin that has come in and visited our life before, don't think... Don't think. Don't get in your mind. Listen, that thing's not going to come at me again. He will. But you don't have to fall to it. You don't have to just continue to cave to those things. There's freedom in this. And this is what I like about the story. And this is what he's shown me in this story. It just kind of wrecked me and messed me up. And I've just kind of thought, what in the world? Unbelievable. In this story, he, I believe, shows us how to be free from the sin cycle. Now, we looked at the sin of Achan a couple weeks ago, and we looked at what sin does in our life, how it affects us, but we never really, really in the story got much into, you know, kind of what happens and how you can be free from that. We did hit the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. He's the one who paid the penalty of death and the sin of death. He is the one who got on the cross for us. It's Jesus and Christ alone. It's him and him alone who can set us free. But that thing will visit us. So what should we do about it? I believe we see it in Scripture. And the number two thing in my point in my message today is this. This is how today we can get free. This is how we can walk in the freedom and stay free. And this is what the children of Israel does. That's what they did. That's what we must do. We must cry out to the Lord. That's what we must do. We must cry out to the Lord. Jesus is the only one who can break the cycle of sin in your life. We must cry out to him. Verse 15 says that, but when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. I love how God does this in our life. I love that he will, he will not do this. He won't turn us away and push us away. He receives us in. And... and <laughs> And, and, and there's some folks who today may be battling in that, that sin cycle or something's going on, that attack of the enemy is working on you, and you're like, man, I can't go to God with that again because, man, I've done that before. Maybe he will. Listen, you know what? Again, they come to him, and again, God raises up a deliverer for them. You see this happening. This becomes a cycle also, man. God listening and answering their cry. You see it in Judges 3, 4, 6, 9. It just keeps going over and over. They cry out to God, he answers. 
That's who he is. That's what he does. He's that kind of God. Matter of fact, I love David, man. David, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart, but man, David missed it. He messed up multiple occasions. He struggled in so many areas, but he knew who to cry out to. He knew who to call on, and it's crucial for us today that we know who to cry out to, who to call on. He says in Psalms 18, verse 6, he says that in my distress... I called upon the Lord. In my distress, I called on the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him. I love this. Even to his ears. You know that... (laughs) You know what that means? Come. That's it. He hears us. Thank you, bro. He hears us. I'm like, man, I'm sitting there, and I mean, you call on your kids, and they don't hear you? (laughs) And they sitting beside you? You know what I'm saying? Hey! They're right there. God up. On the throne, in his temple, he's up there. He hears us. And, he, and it, I like this. It comes before him. He don't be like, not again. I'm not listening to that stuff. You know what he does? It says it gets in his ears. I want you to please grab this today that, man, God hears you. So why not talk to him more? Why not call on him more? Why, why not cry out to him? And this is what I love that we can see God do. It's when we come into a place in a relationship with God, you don't have to wait till you fall back into the cycle again to cry on him. You don't have to wait till you get in that place of bondage and then go, oh, now i got to cry out to God. You can do this in the moment that the enemy tries to come in and attack you and step into your situation. You can cry out to God. You can call on him, and it will go up into his ears. And the Bible says before we even call on him, he'll answer. That's God. So cry out to him. Tell tell your neighbor, say, hey, look, look, listen, this guy's talking to you. Tell him. Say, he's talking to you, man. you got to hear this. And so he cries out to God. We must cry out to the Lord. We have to call on him. He's the only one. Some of you are crying out to other things. They'll never satisfy. They'll never set you free from the cycle. You're, some of you are calling on other things. You're turning to other things. God's the only one who can deliver you and set you free from this. You must cry out to him. The third thing that we see, and this is where it gets interested in the story. I'm just going to apologize for the middle picture. It's about to get un- unfold in your mind. But this story is, like I said, a trip, and I think we see some things that I've often just kind of read over and overlooked that I believe God's showing us. I told you a few weeks back that we're starting to see in the Scriptures, I believe, spiritual warfare begin to unfold. That we're going to begin to see, this ain't something that happens in the New Testament and all this kind of stuff. This has been happening for, for, for years, and so from the very beginning, and I believe we see a picture of spiritual warfare unfolding in this story. Because in the story, we see what we must do again, I believe, we must, we must step into in order to find victory from sin cycles and from the attacks of the enemy. And the number three thing today in our message is this, is we must kill the flesh. We must kill the flesh. Now this is, in this, this is, this is a, I, I believe, a picture of what we see of some things that, that, are, that are so crucial. I believe this is a picture of us walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh. 
I, I, I think there's some things in this story. I believe this is kind of a picture of how we're supposed to battle and how we're supposed to fight. This, this story says that, that this guy, Eglon, he was a very fat man. The Message Bible says he was grossly fat. Now, I'm not, I want you to see this. I believe this is a picture of the flesh. Literally. I believe this is a picture of the flesh and how it can work. And this is how flesh works. The more you feed it, the more to grow. The more you feed it, the bigger it becomes. And so I think this is a picture now of something that is so important that we see is that this grossly fat thing called flesh comes in and it does this. It says that they found themselves in the upper chamber. Now, historically, they would build these rooms in, in the top parts of sections of, of, of these, these palaces for the kings and for those. And it was supposed to be a cooler area where they could go and rest and, and kick back and relax and throw their feet up. And some would say that actually would soak their feet. And it was, just, it was just kind of some weird stuff going on back in the day, man. It was just crazy. This is kind of what's going on. And it says in this story that Ehud was brought into that place. Says that Eglon brought him and everybody else, y'all can go. Y'all slide on your way, go on out, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to go up into this cool chamber, everybody else can go. And this is how the enemy will work. He'll try to slide you into something cool. He'll try to paint a picture for you and, 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 and say, hey, just kick back your feet. It's no big deal, man. It just, just, it's, it's, it's really not going to hurt you. But I, I love what happens in the story. It gets ugly we must kill the flesh. Because in, in, in the story, we find where Ehud does something. He actually uses the weapons that he'd been given. You know something? Every one of us are, are, have available to us spiritual weapons. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds. Understand this. If you're in a spiritual battle, you've got to fight that with spiritual weapons. And so this is what he's given. He's placed at our disposal everything that we need. And I like what he does. This is, a, this is again, this story's wild, man. He, this is what Ehud does. Ehud tells Eglon, i got a message for you. Eglon, like, okay, y'all gonna, everybody else can leave. And then he tells him this. I got a message from God for you. And, and it's like, you know, you think, man, you know, I love you. And, I get, I, you know, you need to turn to me and I'll, I'll just, you need to get saved. And I, I think what he said. He didn't say that because I think what's represented in this story is that this is a picture of the flesh. And this is what he does. He kills and destroys it. Now, again, I'm sorry for the mental picture, but he takes the dagger and he places and he pushes all the way into him. The Bible says everything kind of closes out around that, and it's like, where'd my knife go? You know, it's gone, and it's history. And, and then it gets like ugly, and then like in stuff falls out, and I'm sorry, but it's just the Bible, the greatest stories ever told. But this is something that happens here. This is, I think, a picture of the flesh, and this is what you can't do. You can't play with flesh. 
You can't go up into his chambers and just sit back and think it's not going to be a big deal. That I can just pull back and I can kick my feet up and it's no big deal. I can play with flesh. I can play with it. No, what you have to do is kill it. And he says the weapons that he's given you, they're not carnal, but they're mighty. They're mighty in God. God's given you weapons. He's given you his word. He's given you praise. He's given you the power of prayer. He's given you everything that you need to kill and destroy the devil. The thing that's attacking your life is here. He's given it to us. And so what we need to do is this. Come here got a message for you. God want me to tell you, get behind me, devil. I mean, and just, I mean, whatever it is that you've got to do, whatever it is. And like, no, it's great. No, do it. Because listen, please understand, it'll become a cycle if you don't kill it. It'll become a cycle if you don't kill it. And then I'm like reading this story. I'm like, this is it. This is what Ehud does. Ehud kills the flesh, walks out the door, and closes it and locks it behind him. Somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to grab this today. So you're like, man, okay, I'm going to hit it, knock it out. I'm going to take it and push it, kick it down a little bit. I'm going to walk out. I'm tired of this stuff. And you leave the door open. Just in case what's on the other side doesn't satisfy. Please grab this today. Please understand it's only, only what's on the outside. That can save you. So you have to do this. You have to kill that thing in there. You have to destroy it. And I know this is like graphic stuff, but this is how this works. This is how we get set free. You, you destroy. The Bible says to crucify the flesh, to kill it. And he says that he said, we can do this. We can walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I get so sick sometimes of people saying, man, I got to sin every day or I got to do this. It's always got to be. No, it ain't got to be that way. You can, you can kill it. You can walk in the spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He can set you free free. Listen, you don't have to be a big superstar. Bro, everything's awesome. Because this is a trip. What we see here, Bible says that Ehud was left-handed. And just first of all, for y'all people that don't know, your pastor is left-handed. Glory to the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I believe left-handed people are more anointed and more... No, I'm just kidding. I don't believe that. But, but I, just real quick, left-handed people, raise your hand. This, we always get outnumbered big time. Like, big time. That's crazy, y'all. Come on, I feel, left-handers unite, man. Name We're going to start a ministry right here, left-handers unite. We're not going to do that. I'm just kidding. But I, I want you to see something. In the Hebrew, this would literally translate out. In many situations, scholars would, would translate out that he was left-handed. This is wild, man. This is, this is a trip. That, that, that they tr- literally translate that out, that they were handicapped in their right hand. That, that, and again, whether it was just he left-handed and that's all it was, or whether there was more to it, I don't know. That, but a lot of people would translate out Hebrew. They say would translate out that they were disabled in their right hand. Warren Wiersbe, uh, he he said it this way. He's a great commentator. He said that Ehud made use of his disability. Ehud made a very sharp sword, hid it under his clothing in his right side. 
Even if the guards frisked him, they would most likely examine the left side of his body where most men carried their weapons. Seeing that he was a handicapped man, they probably didn't examine him at all. Some of y'all thinking, man, I can't be Ehud. I got problems. I've got situations. Listen, everybody's got situations. But this is what God can do. God can use you. God, God, and he desires to use you just the way you are, just like you are right now. Somebody like, man, if I can go change and make this better and do this better, whatever. No, listen, God wants to use you. Come to him. Allow him to do this. He will set you free. And this left-handed, disabled guy takes this sword, and he bears it deep inside, and he kills the flesh. He walks out the door, locks the door, said, I ain't going back. And the fourth and final thing in the message today, and the worship team is going to come around. As they come around is this, and this is crucial. Don't fight by yourself. Don't fight by yourself. I, I, just, I love what Ehud does. Ehud takes out Eglon. He, he, he immediately after he takes him out, he kills the enemy. He steps out of the flesh. He destroys it, closes the door, locks it behind him, walks, and then he surrounds himself. I love this. Now, I just want to read it again. Verse 27 says, And it happened that when he arrived, that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. And then he said to them, Follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him. They went down together, seized the fords of the Jordan, leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. I want you to please understand today that you're not supposed to fight this thing by yourself. There will be a time where you will have to come to a place to where you and God come to Him. You cry out to Him. That's how it works. You cry out to the Lord. He brings the deliverance. He comes to you. He always, he lets that come to his ear and he responds to us. He delivers us and sets us free. Then he wants you to walk that out. And it looks like this, killing the flesh, closing the door, separating yourself from the ones that are going to destroy you. You know what Ehud did? He went and surrounded himself with people that would fight with him. You know how the enemy works? One of the first things that he'll do when he's trying to destroy your life, he'll isolate you. Or he'll do this. He'll put you around people kind of just in the same situation or same struggle that you have. He'll put, he'll put you around people. You know what they'll do? They'll say, man, y'all yeah, know where you're at, man. It's okay. It's all right. It's not okay, and it's not all right. You know what God wants to do? He wants, to, he wants you to surround yourself with people that do this. Be real with you. Love you. Not tell you what you want to hear, tell you what you need to hear. You know what? who's supposed to be doing those things? The brothers and sisters of this church. One another. Lovingly care for each other. And so we're supposed to fight together. And I'm going to be honest, I would rather have someone in my life tell me what I, I need to hear and what I, instead of what I want to. I'm serious. I, I, I want that. I hunger for that. I'm thankful for people that tell me some stuff sometimes. Man, I don't want to, but man, I need to hear it. Listen, this is what we have to do. And this is what happens. 
This is what happens. We just read this. After that, they had rest for 80 years. Search it out. You won't find that in any other story. You won't find that time frame where for that long that you see them walking in victory and in rest. And I got to thinking, man, 80 years, that's three generations. My dad's 81, and right now there are three generations represented living today by that bloodline. You know what this is telling us today? Decisions and choices that you make, that I make, not just about you. It's about the generations that come after you, and this is what God can do. He can set you free for generations. Generations.